Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, FA Cup fourth round featuring Black Country Brouhaha and a visit to the Seven Sisters. The most frightening words a Man City fan can hear, apart from 115 charges. Also today, League Cup final sorted. Liverpool edge past Fulham. Chelsea's pumping of Borough is thorough. Plus, Afghan Black Star Brouhaha as Hooten gets a bootin' and more big names tumble as we head into the last 16. It's the Totally Football Show. Thursday, the 25th of January, by my re- reckoning listener, 2024, I think we can all agree on that, with us here on the Totally Football Show, hey, Duncan Alexander. Hey. Hey. <gasps> Hello, Charlie Eccleshare. Hello. And from a legally prescribed distance, Adrian Clark. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Oh, a bit of distance on the sound there. Adrian, you're two seconds behind, and you know, that's not bad going from... From you, I guess. But uh, how are you? Very well, thank you. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Um, yeah, looking forward to the FA Cup weekend. Yeah. I'll be at Sheffield United Brighton Ooh. this weekend. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not sure we'll get to that during the course of the show, but I will be there. Well, let's see. Let's see. Happy greatest ever fourth round FA Cup goal day, by the way, to those who celebrate. I'm referring, of course, to mm. Charlie. Trevor Sinclair. Trevor Sinclair, like this. Spencer's cross comes in, and the shot, oh, magnificent, that is brilliant. Woo. Where were you, Adrian, when Trevor did that to Barnsley? <laughs> uh, what was the year? Uh, 1997. 1997. Oh, yeah, I was just on the way out from Arsenal at that point. <laughs> um, I had a look at online, I had a look online at the best FA Cup fourth round goals ever uh-huh. and it was by some distance the best yeah. um, but but there was a David Bentley chip in there um, yes against Middlesbrough. against Middlesbrough from 2004 that was a gorgeous little goal yeah I think that's the only goal he scored for Arsenal um, that Trevor Sinclair one's interesting as well because that was the season that David Beckham scored from the halfway line on the opening day of the season mm. uh, but Trevor Sinclair won goal of the season back when FA Cup goals counted mm. um yeah, yeah I, I can't remember exactly when they changed it, but uh, and then two years later, Giggs probably the when FA the BBC Cup. lost the rights to the FA Cup. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, also, can I just? I've n- not come across this idea of a best FA Cup goal by round. Yeah. <laughs> I like it though. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I'm not sure, you, Charlie. It feels like you're a little bit disgruntled with the notion that that was the goal of the season. I feel that maybe back then overhead kicks like that were rare affair. Than they are. Well, no, yeah, I don't think it's. Oh, they used to be. They used to be done in foreign well, clubs. We've talked about this before. Yeah. Oh. Every film about football always yeah. ends with an overhead kick because it's. I think people that don't really watch football think it's like the peak of football, mm. but it's it's actually an aberration. Um, we oh. did a piece well, it's on a bad cross invariably. Yeah, that's behind them. We did a piece with Alan Shearer a month ago after the Garnacho one at Goodison mm. Park. 
And he said he didn't like doing them because it really hurts when you land on your back. Which is a very <laughs> yeah. fair point. Yeah. So, yeah. A little bit of perspective there. Speaking of quality football, uh, Duncan, you had fun watching uh, Wigan v Wickham, mm. uh, at the, a.k.a. the homophone derby. Yeah, uh, that's on what Tuesday. They, that's what they were singing. Um, yeah, the, well, probably the worst game of football I've ever watched, I think. It was it was very windy. The right. pitch was made of what looked like plasticine, oh. and there were a lot of crisp packets. It was very, like, you know, that bit in American Beauty when the bag... Ah, yeah, was, lovely, lovely. There was a lot of that. And then, to make it worse, the referee got injured. So that was the thing. I was following your timeline. <laughs> you say, this is the lowest quality football match I've ever seen. Mm. Next up from Duncan is, they've added 19 minutes of stoppage time. <laughs> yeah. So the ref got sandwiched between two players, mm. and obviously the crowd cheered because it is, you know, mm. it's it's natural. But um, it turns out that it was quite a bad injury, and he had to mm. go off. And the fourth official takes over as per the regulations, all good. But then they had to find a replacement fourth official, so the the classic request went out for anyone. They did. Mm, they found someone. Okay. But it took twenty minutes, so hence yeah. the uh, hence. You know, an extra 20 minutes of a terrible game and then to cap it off uh, in the 21st minute stoppage time, Wigan, Wigan scored. So. Great goal, though. It was quite a good goal, it was, yeah. It's a good goal. Didn't appreciate it that much. Towards the byline, trying to drive a cross in, stands it up, Charlie Hughes is under it! Oh, God! Oh, Hughes oh. for Wigan Athletic! That's football, isn't it? You, mm. you put up with, with fair like that in the hope of better times. Better times. All right, who have you got this weekend? Uh, Fleetwood, who are bad, but if Wickham lose that game, they are in officially deep trouble. Oh, wow. Mm. All right. Excellent. Uh, for many people, this weekend is all about FA Cup fourth round. Lots of excitement as well about the AFCON last 16, which will be getting underway. We're going to begin today, though, with a quick word about the Carabao Cup. Now that next month's finalists have been decided, they are, excitingly, Chelsea and Liverpool. <laughs> Chelsea... No, Duncan? (laughs) Are you thinking of two years ago when these two sides met in both the FA Cup final and the League Cup final? And how did those games go? Uh, Nil-nil in both. To be fair, the League Cup final was good. Right. The FA Cup final, less so. Oh. Um, But Chelsea, though, Chelsea have now awoken officially with their performance Tuesday night against Borough. 6-1. They did. Yeah, this was much more like it. It It was a strange game. I think that the pattern of both... Cup semi-finals w- was odd in a way because in my head the underdog has to be the more aggressive they have to bring the the hostility bring the work rate yet in, in both games I felt that especially early on it was the big gun it was it was Chelsea that was the more aggressive and and Liverpool too and and that I think will be the great regret for for Borough and for Fulham because that's the least you've got to do you've got to outwork you've got to outmuscle your opponent and hope that their quality doesn't doesn't destroy you and ultimately if the better team marries both then then they'll win quite comfortably that happened with Chelsea against Borough it was a it was a pretty dismal effort actually from from Michael Carrick's side who, who have actually been a bit of a soft touch uh, away from home this season they've let in 26 goals on the road were only four championship teams of letting more. So this isn't an isolated incident. They just got a bit of a soft underbelly this season. Mm, Borough were a goal up from the first leg, but that lead quickly evaporating in a four-goal first half from Chelsea with 
uh, called Palmer Shining, but I think Ben Chilwell, uh, especially appreciated on his return from. Yeah, Italy. it's huge having him. Yeah, I mean, I I do. I think that's more significant in some ways than them battering a team who, as Adrian says, are can be quite weak defensively. I think eleventh in the championship played into their hands a little bit. Well, in quite a lot. You know, the way they gave away those goals were caught high up the pitch. Um, so a great result and a and a good performance. But I don't know if that necessarily means we can say, uh, you know, Chelsea back and you know they've arrived under Pochettino mm. I think that may come but I don't think this necessarily tells us that okay they're hosting Aston Villa in the fourth round of the cup on Friday and they also visit Liverpool in the league next week ahead of uh, that league cup final clash Adrian yeah on cold Palmer I think that uh, cold Palmer <laughs> is, is one of the best nicknames for a player ever um, because he's just, he is just ridiculously cool isn't he in those big moments I'm just wondering what what is the catch with Cole Palmer because Pep sold him. He let him go. I think with with Zinchenko and Jesus, I love them. I love watching them. They're, they're top players. But you can see the reason in both as to why he let them go in terms of Zinni's defending and, and, and Jesus's finishing. With Cole Palmer, I, I'm still waiting to see what it is that he wasn't Sure about has anyone has anyone got any well ideas? a couple of things I agree from what I've seen I think he's fantastic and I think he'd improve pretty much every team certainly squad in the Premier League this is very much second hand apparently some Chelsea fans uh, picked up and he doesn't always work as hard off the ball as he might and we know that's something that uh, certainly Pep puts a lot of stock on the other thing I guess is the the more boring prosaic FFP mm. thing and the fact that you know selling academy products is pure profit. And this is an issue. It's a real shame. And, yeah. you know, that Nat, we used to celebrate Academy products coming through was the best thing. Now it's all pure well, profit. Yeah, but this is the weird thing where Chelsea might have to sell Conor Gallagher for the Can, same reason. So, so yeah, totally. In, we're going to get to a scenario where all the big clubs kind of benefit from each other's academies yeah. because that's how you make it work. Yeah. So it's almost like we want we want you to play for us. So can you go to Arsenal's Academy for, for 10 <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Cole Palmer with two goals on Wednesday. He's now on 11 since joining from City in the summer. Totally Football Show is sponsored by Google Pixel. And here's the Athletics' Liam Toomey with his report from that Stamford Bridge semi-final in Beyond the Frame. Beyond the Frame with Google Pixel. Everything you're about to hear has been recorded using Google Pixel's Audio Magic Eraser tool. That means that instead of our journalists' audio being drowned out by the crowd... The audio sounds just the way the journalist you're about to hear wants you to. You'll hear them loud and clear thanks to Audio Magic Eraser removing distracting sounds in Beyond the Frame. Requires Google Photos app. May not work on all images or all audio elements. Here at Stamford Bridge, the thing that will stay with me from this Carabao Cup semi-final second leg were the chance of K-Sara-Sara that reverberated around the Matthew Harding stand after just 43 minutes. And that gives a sense of just how one-sided Chelsea's win over Middlesbrough ultimately was. It was an oddly relaxed, triumphant vibe around the stadium, uh, given how things have been for Chelsea recently and plenty of opportunities for, for the crowd to make themselves heard in a positive way in the second half as well, with cameos for Cobham graduates, Alfie Gilchrist and Leo Castledine making his debut. So, very happy night at Stamford Bridge. Beyond the Frame with Google Pixel. Okay, well, Chelsea through. They're going to be facing Liverpool. Duncan? Yeah, I was just thinking it's a shame. Um, 
you know, if people aren't excited by another Liverpool Chelsea final, that it's a shame that Kepa's not at Chelsea this yeah. season because obviously in 2019 against City was the refusing to come off moment. Mm. Great, great moment. Um, and then in the final in 2022 against Liverpool, he obviously missed the penalty in the shootout after Kelleher took one of the best penalties I've ever seen a player take, let alone a goalkeeper. So um, Kepa in a Carabao Cup final is a, is a good combo, but <laughs> he'll be watching it from Madrid. He probably won't be watching, will he? He might be. He might be. Liverpool, who got past uh, Fulham 1-1, uh, 3-2 on aggregate. Not sure in terms of fitness where they'll be with Mo Salah uh, by then mm. because after initial talk of him only being out for a couple of AFCON games, looked like it might be more of a long-term thing. However, on their way back, uh, Trent and Slobberslie could be back this weekend indeed for the game against Norwich for Liverpool in the FA Cup. Andy Robertson was in the squad as well on Wednesday for the first time since October. So, yeah. That's huge for them. Mm. Yeah, he's been a big miss. It's a shame for Joe Gomez, though, if both Robertson and Trent are back because he's been tremendous at both, both full-back berths recently. As he searches his first goal. Yeah, he, it's he... coming. All right, next up, on to the FA Cup fourth round. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. FA Cup fourth round. Woo! It's the last round with uh, replays. Yes. Ever, isn't it? Aren't they getting rid of him next season? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Can I take my solution to this problem? <laughs> Is it that teams from different divisions have replays but nobody else does? I think make it opt-in and opt-out. Yeah. And if you have both teams, you, if one team wants it, mm. you do it. If mm. both don't, don't do it. Don't do it. What's the point of Wolves-Brentford playing a replay which neither team wants and the fans probably don't want? Everton mm. Palace the same. But replays are great. I get it for lower league clubs. Or if you want to prioritise the Cups, that's your pr- prerogative. But... The current arrangement just seems odd. When would they have to get their decisions in? Well, this, this would be the interesting yeah, get, bit. You do it before the game. Right. And if you know the other team doesn't want a replay, mm. that's, that's your team talk right there, isn't it? They're not prioritising this cup competition. And it would get leaked out and then fans would get annoyed, being like, I can't believe we're not prioritising the cups right. this season. There'd be great stories in there. I think it, it'd be brilliant. And it would, it would do away with meaningless replays, but it means the clubs who want them get them. There's I no, like it. no downside. Okay. This FA Cup fourth round begins Thursday night. How about that for tradition? Bournemouth against Swansea. Swansea, of course, who recently appointed Luke Williams from Notts County. I bet you're excited about Luke Williams, aren't you, Adrian? <laughs> I like him. I like him. He's, he's another one of these uh, progressive young coaches that looks like Pep. He's got the bald, the bald head, the, 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 the goatee sort of beard going on. Um, he's really smart, really clever. And plays a lovely brand of football. You know, it's going to be a nice, pretty match, I'd imagine. Mm. Iriola against him. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a good fit. It's a good fit because Swansea, just down the years, in, in modern times, Swansea have got used to having a mm. team that plays really nice passing football, haven't they? And, and, and the last appointment, Michael Duff, wasn't that guy, which made it a really odd choice. But, but Luke Williams is that guy. And he did a great job at Notts County. So we'll see. The issue at Notts County was defending. They didn't always um, place a high priority on that. So this could be quite a high-scoring... I'm hoping this will be a high-scoring opener to the FA Cup fourth round weekend because last time that Thursday night game between Palace and Everton had mm. had Wigan Wickham vibes, didn't it? It was, <laughs> it was horrific. 
You want he'll be excited about going to Bournemouth as well and meeting the hipsters tactician uh, Iriola. So they'll imagine they'll have a big hug. Also, Luke Williams responsible for one of the best kind of debates this season, where the uh, corner, yeah, yeah, fans forum when he was defending short corners. We've actually scored the most goals in the division from corners, but you don't know they're from corners, do you? Because unless we whack it in a box, it's not a corner. <laughs> okay, but we take a corner. We pass the ball until that ball is turned over and we give it away or it goes off the pitch. It's still a corner. The most brilliantly lower league thing you can imagine, like fans being upset that they're just not smashing into the box. So. Mm. But quite a sterling defence of, in, in that case, of, of corners from uh, Luke Williams. Excellent. Among the other 15 ties, listener, you've got Maidstone United, who are the lowest ranked side left in the competition. They'll be going to Championship High Flyers Ipswich. Newport County will come... Manchester United to Rodney Parade. That's on telly. There's five all Premier League fixtures. Chelsea, Aston Villa, Everton, Luton, Sheffield United, Brighton, which Adrian's excited about, and Fulham, Newcastle. Liverpool, as mentioned, are taking on Norwich. There's also that long-awaited Black Country derby in front of fans between West Brom and Wolves. That's early Sunday. And the holders, Manchester City, have a trip to the one place they never win. Never or even score a goal, and that's the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Boom. Now, this is live Friday night on ITV. Charlie, they've visited Man City, the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, five times in all competitions. They've lost every time. They've never scored a single goal there. How, and will this Friday be different? It is extraordinary, and in some of those games, they've had chance after chance. They've missed penalties. Um, It is really weird. I mean, four different managers as well in that time. Pochettino, Mourinho, Nuno, Stellini slash Conte. Um, Conte was ill at the time. Stellini was, was there. Yeah, so it, it, is, it is kind of baffling. Um, it's kind of taken in both games where they've missed a lot of chances, but also, the you know, sometimes City actually look quite short of ideas if they go behind. There have been some of them in there as well. Will it change? I do think the FA Cup dynamic might help in just enabling Pep and City to frame it as something slightly different. Not, I know one of the games was Champions League, but otherwise they've been league games, just to be like, look, forget that, this is different, there'll be a different rhythm, a different feel to it. Um, but certainly, you know, when the draw came out, I think a lot of Spurs fans were kind of relishing it, given that recent history. The absence of Son is big, because mm. he has tormented City, both home and away. 84 shots with 22 on target across those games from, from Manchester City. So it is it is freakish. I mean, if you have 22 shots on target and don't score a goal, that is, quite frankly, ridiculous. So, yeah, it's, um, it's been a bogey ground for them. But look, they're playing well, aren't they, City? Annoyingly. Um, 14 goals, three conceded in, in four wins on the bounce since the Club World Cup. So... And, and we know that Ange will will attack the game. He doesn't know any other way, does he, mate? So I just think that... that it will be a more exciting game this time around and, and that City are, are highly likely to score. Son, one of the absentees for Spurs City with a uh, increasingly full squad, Kevin De Bruyne back. Uh, is Erling Haaland now fit? He hasn't played yet, um, so it's not clear yet whether he will. I mean, I guess Guardiola's, I think Guardiola's press conference is today, uh, so we might learn more. Just to add, a, get some more numbers on that, just mm. for, for XG heads. Uh, February 2020, a game Spurs won 2-0. Spurs had an XG of 0.38. City had an XG of 3.0. 
Later that year, Spurs won 2-0 again. Spurs were 0.79, City were 2.18. And then in August 2021, Spurs 1.06, City 2.24. Was this Hugo Lloris? I mean, he did say in one of those games he saved a penalty. Uh, he also saved a penalty in the Champions League uh, quarterfinal game. Um, yeah, he made some good saves. But it, I, I do remember in some of them just being really wasteful finishing. Mm. Open goals, just kind of, you know, calamitous stuff. So, you know, a bit like how City had under Pep for a while, that kind of Champions League knockout, somehow they'd find a way to almost knock themselves out. It's, mm. it's a little bit like that. Obviously, they've now put that hoodoo to rest. But th- yeah, this is the final frontier. Wow. Can they win at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium or score a goal? Yeah. City are going to be without Calvin Phillips. How will they cope? <laughs> uh, he's uh, completing a loan move to West Ham. And, meanwhile, whose press conference, Charlie, you are mm. going to be heading off to very, very shortly could be uh, calling on James Madison. Yeah. Yeah, he's back in training, so he'll be in the squad unless a late setback. And then it's a question of, does he chuck him straight in from Mm. the start, which feels like a little bit of a gamble. Um, He has done similar with other players, but that's like Van der Ven came straight back into the team against United in their last game, but they kind of were, they were without Ben Davis, so they didn't have much alternative. Madison, they do have other options, but they are without Soren Basuma from the midfield already. So... He may be tempted. We'll see. Okay. Is that going to do... It's a huge boost. Huge boost, given how good he was. And Pep loves Madison as well, doesn't he? So it'll be further pain for Guardiola if Madison comes back and causes mayhem. Has there ever been a player that settled in quicker than James Madison to to a big club? Agent you know, Clark, Salah. South End. Yeah. All eyes were on him. <laughs> but seriously, he was he he was unbelievable, wasn't he, early in the season? I think he he probably was the best player in the Premier League in those in those early weeks. And and it it's never that easy when you've got a new new bunch of teammates, new brand of football, but I can't remember seeing a new face look as confident as Madders. Mo Salah at the first season at Liverpool. Will I said that. Somebody. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, you did, yeah, you talked over me with your Aidan Clark South End jive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, Madison, not only, not only how good he was, but just how much he instantly looked and felt like the kind of platonic ideal of a Tottenham player. Like he's everything Spurs fans want. You know, he's kind of got a bit of that maverick streak to mm. him. He's attacking, he's flary. Uh, but yeah, he's, I mean, he was two assists on his debut. And he was just, he was off uh, from there. Basically played really well every game until that injury. Magnificent, yeah. Well, hopefully he could be back for this one. Producer Charlie, among those sighting with Spurs facing Man City in the fourth round. A game regarded as one of the greatest comebacks in FA Cup fourth round history. Do this round by round as well. I'm referring to Spurs Man City from 0304. Do you, do you remember that one, Adrian? City who were managed by Kevin Keegan at the time, went 3-0 down at half-time then, to make matters worse. Uh, Joey Barton said something to the ref, one can only guess what, and got himself sent off. So City were now 3-0 down and a man down, and yet came back to win in the second half, 4-3. Incredible. Plowing on, squeezed it to Tarnat. There was just a bit of tugging on Macken. He scored! John Macken! It sounds very Spursy, doesn't it? Is that where it came from? Oh, I imagine it's... Well, it didn't help, but that was only uh, two seasons after they were 3-0 up at half-time against Manchester United and lost 5-3. So it was... This was a bad trend. time. Huh? It's a trend. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Why do Spurs keep throwing away three goalies? Um, if for people who want more in this game, Jack Pitbrook has written a brilliant piece today oh, yeah? on The Athletic, both about that piece, but also just where both clubs were at that time. Mm. And they were... 
I mean, they weren't even really banter clubs because they weren't sort of interesting enough. They were, especially City, mm. you know, they'd signed a bunch of kind of washed up has-beens and were kind of going nowhere. Spurs were also going nowhere. Um, yeah. Right. What a difference 20 years makes. How different it is now. And will you be bringing that up with Ange at the press conference? What, what's your first question? Uh, well, the first question, I guess, will be about Madison and mm. what chance he starts. Any other injuries? Because we've kind of got used to a sort of cheeky hamstring going uh, in training. So and there's been quite a lot of training since their last game. So uh, every chance there'll be another one. Oh, dear. OK, well, you can read Ange's answers uh, on theathletic.com. Very much so. Exclusively. Nice. In a way. <laughs> in a way. All right. Next up, let's get on to some of the other action coming up in the fourth round of the FA Cup. For most of us, January means New Year's resolutions. But for the footballing world, January means one thing. Transfers. There's a lot going on, and to stay on top of every move that matters, you need the Athletic Football Podcast. They were prioritising somebody like Mason Mount. Five days a week, we'll help you cut through the noise with the most reliable reporters in the industry. David Ornstein, Adam Crafton, Laurie Whitwell, and many more will not only tell you what the deal is, but how it happened too. So make sure you don't miss a single transfer beat in January with the Athletic Football Podcast. Listen for free wherever you get your shows, and hit follow and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Do you want to talk about Everton, Luton, Sheffield United, Brighton? Yeah, I bet you do, Edge don't you? You wanted to get onto that. Or Fulham, Newcastle, uh, who may still have Kieran Trippier because they've been busy rejecting bids for um, Bayern for uh, the right back. Uh, what do you think then? Sheffield United, Brighton. Adrian, why, why have you picked that one? Well, I haven't picked it. Um, Talksport sending me there, ah. but um, it's it's a it'll be okay. It'll be a good game. I mean, for Sheffield United, it's less less important. I would I would imagine that the fight for survival takes precedent. But but for Brighton, mm-hmm. a team that is sort of just outside really the European mix this this time around, you know, winning the FA Cup could be an avenue back into into Europe if they're not going to actually win the Europa League itself. So, yeah, I think for Brighton, you want to be sending your best team there and to, and to put on a little bit of a show. Very because nice. it's it's been it's been a bit 
hit and miss for, for the Seagulls this year. They haven't kicked on. I think every year they seem to have kicked on since they came into the Premier League. But this year, I would say slight regression. I'm not well, quite sure why. Perhaps but maybe domestically, injuries, but, but yeah, Brighton fans would feel the fact that they are progressing in, or it's so far progressing in, in the Europa League, their first ever European adventure is, is, is the progression this year. Goalless in the game Monday night against Wolves, though, in the Premier League. Two goalless draws running, wasn't it? Mm. Having oh, not yeah. having having scored and conceded in every game, so well, not quite. I think that that yeah, sequence that came, broken. They lost Tuna to last Arsenal, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, other, but, but yeah, it was. They, you were guaranteed goals until you weren't. Until you weren't. Anyway, enjoy Bramall Lane, <laughs> Adrian. Perhaps if you could pick one fixture to go to out of all the sixteen fourth round affairs, it might be the one early Sunday at the Hawthorns as West Bromwich Albion host their rivals Wolves. Wow. Now, this season, we've already had the first weird time derby in eight years, Sunderland against Newcastle, which didn't really give us the upset that many people were kind of hoping for. What do you think about this one then as Wolves, as we mentioned, goalless Monday with Brighton, take on their rivals from the championship? Adrian, what can you tell us about the baggies? Well, they are a very well-coached team under Carlos Corbran. He, he's, a, he's a smart guy. He co- he's very good at coming up with game plans uh, and of negating the strengths of the opposition. They've got tons of clean sheets this season. They beat Ipswich. They kind of, they, well, they, they won to nil against Ipswich. They won to nil against Leeds. Uh, and I think this is the kind of game he, he will relish. I think the atmosphere is going to be amazing, but but Gary O'Neill as well. I just I like the cut of his jib. I like uh, his aggression as a coach. He, he sort of marries modern attacking principles with old fashioned sort of ideals of of hostility and and work rate and and all that comes with it. So I think this is going to be a cracking game. I really do. Um, West Brom, by the way, have the Indian sign over Wolves. They've progressed from eight of their last nine FA Cup ties against Wolves. And Wolves are winless in their last 11 trips to the Hawthorne. So it's a little bit of a bogey ground for for Wolves. So they're going to have to, you know, buck history if they want to progress here. Of course, I, I um, just Google, why, what does the phrase the Indian sign mean? Uh, concealed track used by or traces revealing the presence of Indians, native indigenous right. folk I guess so you'd probably want to be saying you know indigenous sign mm. in, indigenous folk <laughs> sign probably or well, the woke brigade will be all over you I apologise yeah. 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 Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll work on my cliches moving forward Secret only there was a podcast for that um, just on th- this is an early uh, this is a morning kickoff, isn't it? It's 11.45. Mm. Yeah, 11.45, yeah. And I was. this made me think of when 11.15 was a sort of semi-regular slot in the Premier League a little while ago. Liverpool and United used to play yeah. at 11.15, again, for policing reasons. I did a piece on this a couple of months ago, actually. Oh, yeah? Um, defending the early kickoff, because people only remember the bad ones, generally. But there have been some... some but yeah, but there, there was a brief... Late 90s, early 2000s, 11.15, and it was kind of a... I think that's when they were trying to capture Chinese... TV audience. Makes sense, yeah. 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 I feel like it was always United, which a again lot would make of, sense. A lot of United-Liverpool games, yeah, like low sun. Sander Vestervelt kind of cowering from a, from a low sun. Beckham famous- making hay in a couple of those. Oh, ones, really? Yeah. Famously, uh, City fans, I think, turning up in pyjamas. As- Did people not used to turn up and brush their teeth? Obviously, this was something at Chelsea for other motors recently, <laughs> but... 
I'm sh- no, no, possibly not. That was the Chris Evans uh, game show. Oh, he's <laughs> easy mistake to make. Uh, Adrian, as a player, I think that the morning kickoff's fine because you're used to kind of getting up and training mm. around probably around eleven o'clock is is often a start time. And for me. The worst bit about being a professional football in terms of match prep was the wait yeah. throughout the day because you don't really want to know what to do with yourself. I prefer to just crack on with it, basically. So it's, a, it's get up and go, isn't it? Yeah. I think well, I presumably you got up before like 10 minutes before the kickoff. That would that would be maverick. Just roll out of bed and be like, oh, I'll play a game. Yeah. In but, your pyjamas. Yeah, well, I don't know if Adrian wears pyjamas. I wouldn't want to speculate. But um, didn't it play havoc with your pre-match meal? Weren't you banging down ravioli at... 8.58 it simplifies the pre-match meal because really you just need to have a decent brekkie and, and you're good to go aren't you but when you've got that 3 o'clock mm. kickoff, you have your brekkie mm. and then you've got to have this random sort of mm. pasta based chicken, chicken and meal at, at, at 11.30 or something you know 12 o'clock at the latest you know it's, it, that was weird so um, no I think what, just just, a, I, what just was a fry the strange up. Just, just have a fry up a and fry get up, crack up, on a fry up <laughs> It used to be. It used to be, but I think those and then days have long gone. And through the door came Arsenal yeah, pre The pre-broccoli <laughs> yeah. era. And honestly, honestly, yeah, that broccoli and the mashed potato at like 10.30 in the mm. morning was just disgusting. It was just completely minging. What was the worst pre-match meal you saw a teammate have? Or the most kind of like outlandish? <laughs> Because there's a famous story about the the, the French cyclist Jacques Anquetil in the in the fifties who was a bit of a bon viveur and he would often have like goose and champagne before mm. stages. Um, <laughs> now I don't know, maybe that was de rigueur at Arsenal in the early nineties. Especially with the French players. <laughs> I mean, I didn't see I didn't see that. No, but 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 yeah, the glass of red was brought in on occasion at the at the team hotel. But um, no, I just. But, but fry-ups were, were generally normal, I've got to say, which uh, just sounds bizarre now. Doesn't it? Uh, there you go. That's the Black Country Derby, which should have an amazing atmosphere. Long time since the fans have been able to enjoy that one. And it sounds, says Adrian, like the home supporters might be having the best of it. Meantime, Adrian, what can you tell us about Newport County as they welcome Man United to Rodney Parade? They've got a cracking record there against big sides, haven't they? Yeah, they beat Leicester, who were Premier League at the time. I think they beat Leeds and Middlesbrough while they were in the Championship. Uh, they took Tottenham to a replay, Brighton. I think they 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 took to penalties. So yeah, look, look there's a tradition there. It's quite an intimidating ground um, in terms of you know they've always been quite hostile. It's not it's not a big ground, but the, the fans there will let the let the opposition know that 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 they're not fans of them. Um, look, Newport come into the game in good nick actually, unbeaten in seven. They're not going to try and be progressive in terms of passing. They're, they're, I think no, no team has has made fewer sequences of 10 or less passes, or 10 or more passes, rather, in League Two than Newport. So basically, they're going to get it. Uh, well, they're going to work exceptionally hard to win the ball back. They're going to be aggressive. And as soon as they win it, they're going to send it forward and, and look to turn Man United and, and get territory. It's going to be a classic clash of styles I would imagine it'll be up and at them for, from Newport County and and look the way that Manchester United have gone about their work this season I'm not saying that Newport are going to win this game but if ever there was a team that might be primed for 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 a banana skin and, and maybe slipping up in a match where they don't fancy it it could be this one because Newport will not roll out the red carpet I guarantee it we you say slipping up but what 
the, the thing that sort of um, encapsulated Newport or Rodney Parade recently was their terrible pitch, which has improved slightly. And you, yeah. you kind of think someone should be out there with a with a tractor just churning up a, a little bit. A pogo stick. John yeah. Beck style. Mm. He's a Cambridge yeah. manager. Yeah, I do think United, though, generally have, they're quite good against teams they should beat. I mean, they, they lose to teams. They've that never have... beaten Newport County. Wow. They've never faced them. A bogey first. team. Yeah. <laughs> They've had the Indian sign from yeah. a safe distance. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there you go. Well, I'm looking forward to that. And that one is at 4.30 on Sunday, and it is on television. Is. Very good. Lowest ranked team in the competition are Maidstone, who visit Ipswich, who are not Premier League, but blah, blah, about as close as you can get. Second place in the championship and took a point off the runaway leaders of that division, Leicester, Monday night with an 89th minute equaliser. No side from the sixth tier, as Maidstone are, have reached the last 16 since Blythe Spartans, all the way back in 77 78. How about that? Maidstone, obviously, famously the team Nick Hornby should support. He um, was taken there a little bit mm. as young as so chose to support Arsenal. So uh, children that have a chance to support a, a smaller team and then choose Arsenal, uh, very painful. I can, I can, uh, mm. I can support that. Yeah, there is an Arsenal connection there. Um, a captain Maidstone by Gavin Hoyt. Do you remember mm. Gavin Hoyt? He, Justin's I think he only brother. made one appearance for Arsenal, but he came through the ranks and um, yeah, he's, he's since gone on to have a decent non-league career. Managed by George Kobe, the the former broad-shouldered Wolves defender. I mean, he he was a tank, wasn't he, of a, of a player? Um, so yeah, look, it, it'd be amazing. Look, I played. That was the final level I got to was sort of level six in the in the Conference South, and there were some good players in it. There really are, but. Ipswich are a very good team. And, and Kieran McKenna, I was at the game against Leicester. Kieran McKenna, if ever a manager nailed it tactically in a game and, and, and made good decisions, I thought it was Kieran McKenna. He's, he's a very smart guy, makes very few bad calls. Um, so I, th- I think they'll navigate Maidstone, but it'd be interesting to see see how they fare. Tractor boys there could, could come in handy at Roddy Parade in Duncan's pre-match vision. <laughs> uh, others from the FA Cup fourth round, you've got Bristol City against Nottingham Forest. Bristol City, of course, knocked out West Ham in round three. Mm. Could they take another Premier League scalp, etc. And so on. Certainly, Nuno would be one of those who'd be signing up for no replay. Thank you very much, wouldn't he? Absolutely. Mm. There's an all-championship tie between Sheffield Wednesday and Coventry. That's Friday night. Liverpool Norwich. Watford Southampton. Saints, who are on a club record, 21 games unbeaten in all competitions. 21. Are they going to make it to 22, Adrian? Probably, yeah. I think they're, they're, they're flying. There's no doubt about that. By the way, earlier on in the show, we mm. talked about great FA Cup fourth round goals, didn't we? There is one mm. that we left off. And it, it might have been forgotten, but Stuart Armstrong, do you remember it? Mm. It was from a couple of years ago. He did a Traveller. Now, I didn't even know what a Traveller was recently. <laughs> Don't until get them recently. in the National League. <laughs> exactly, where Wes Burns basically hit, hit one with the outside of his foot that got goal of the month. Well, Stuart Armstrong hit one just as good as that. Jan Valery doesn't shoot. Saints trying to be patient. Then the shot comes in. Oh, what a screamer. Well, the way they've been playing... You feel it was going to take something special to get Southampton back into this cup tie. The Travella came from a play called Fabio Quaresma. Um, and it, as I understand it, 
It has to be with the outside of your yeah. boot, but from the kind of where your toes join the foot, whatever joint that would be. So it's from that little bump on the outside of your boot, and it has to involve a crazy amount of spin, hopefully in the wrong direction as well. Yeah, kind of curling back. Yeah, mm. um, yeah, he, yeah charisma is exactly that's exactly The Armstrong it. girl was was helped by the camera angle as well because it was directly behind it, which and you could you could feel the thump. Oh, nice. Did you have a signature move, Adrian? Yeah, it's the Travella. Um, was it? <laughs> yeah, scored a couple. I did actually. I did actually score a couple for Stevenage. Yeah. Wow. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't bring it up for this exact same, exact <laughs> yeah. reason. But, um, Is there any yeah, evidence of that? I don't, I don't that, mind Adrian. bragging about it. Yeah. Uh, annoyingly, annoying. <laughs> oh, and this is genuine. Conveniently, this is genuine. Because I was so. I was. I was so proud of it. Um, that one particular goal because it, it it was from the corner of the eighteen yard box, so quite far out, and it was an outside of the foot Travea into that into that far corner. The camera was on the other side oh. of the pitch, so you didn't you didn't capture it in all its glory. So frustrating. That is frustrating. One of those great philosophical debates: if Adrian Clark scores a Travea, but yeah, no cameras there to see it, did it really happen? <laughs> Leeds are taking on Plymouth this weekend and Leicester up against Birmingham and the round is going to conclude on the Monday with Blackburn against Wrexham which you can see live uh, if you live in Wales first meeting of these clubs in 42 years for anyone who's keeping track of that Wrexham currently second in League 2 oh I did this just in we can all watch it oh of course these days yeah. you can find BBC One Wales anywhere yeah you know, not just on strange streaming sites, but on your EPG. Look for it and you'll find Blackburn Wrexham. Oh, it could just go along because maybe there'll be some big stars there. Mm. Oh, Adrian. I think this has got upset written all over it. Blackburn are in terrible form. Absolutely dreadful. They've plummeted from being in and around the playoffs to sort of looking over their shoulders, worried about relegation. And, and the bulk of their problems have been conceding goals. They've got a really young team. And and it's a talented team, but I, th I think with young players, when they get um, their confidence knocked a little bit, it can snowball, and, and that seems to be what's happened there. So, and Wrexham, as we know, are, are, they don't really uh, take any prisoners. They're pretty direct and strong, and uh, I think this could be a very interesting tie. I don't think it'll be pretty, but I give Wrexham a great chance of causing the upset. Magnificent. All right. Monday night, BBC One Wales. Next up, on to the AFCON. We're all driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. According to their own survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Remember the last time you were hiring and how slow and overwhelming it was? Well, you don't need to go through all that again. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent. And because you listen to The Totally Football Show, Indeed is going to give you a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash totally. That's I-N-D-E-E-D.com slash totally. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed at Indeed.com. Indeed. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Football Content Awards International Podcast of the Year. AFCON! Group stage is concluded. It's been the highest scoring group stage since 2008. We're joined now, of course, by Maher Mazahi, who's ooh, in a very scenic location. Where are you, Maher? I'm at a place called Le Pic Villa, which ooh. used to be the house of a, of a governor in Felix Oufoué-Bouanis, the first Ivorian president's uh, cabinet. It used to be his house. And apparently this, uh, this house is very interesting architecturally because whichever room you're in, there's always an exit. He was very, very paranoid because apparently he was having an affair with the president's wife. So that's where I'm at right now. Damn. All right. Well, seems a bit prosaic to talk about the last 16 of the AFCON after that, but we know who the teams are. and there's Well, there's sub- lots of ways to go out of AFCON as well. <laughs> that's, that's so true. That's so true. Uh, Cape Verde and Equatorial Guinea, the two smallest countries in the tournament, have both made it through to the last 16. Some big names haven't, including, unfortunately, Algeria. Namibia in the last 16 for the... For the first time, so many shocks as the groups came to a conclusion. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's been the main storyline of this African Cup of Nations is that a lot of the more traditional heavyweights, teams like Ghana, Algeria, or Tunisia, have been eliminated. Although there are only six teams that are eliminated uh, you know, in the, from the group stages in the African Cup of Nations with this expanded format. I think it's due to a few different things. Um, poor coaching is probably uh, number one. Poor preparation as well from from some of these teams, uh, like the Gambia, for example, who, you know, they had some some of the circumstances were out of their control, like the tardy arrival to Cote d'Ivoire because of the airplane issue, but then even some of the lodging conditions, for example, where the Gambia are over here have been uh, a little bit shoddy. So, overall, I think not any crazy surprises, but a, a good number of them as well. Okay. A dramatic conclusion, in particular to Group B on Monday when you had uh, Egypt and Ghana rivals to go through. And Ghana two goals up against Mozambique. Shots of Mo Salah at their game uh, looking on despondently as uh, the various set to exit. But then Mozambique got that penalty and then Egypt score a, a goal and, and everything seemed to happen in those final minutes. It was crazy because in the 85th minute, there was one scenario and then four goals are conceded in the final five minutes in both of those matches. And it's really been um, part and parcel of this African Cup of Nations is that when a team scores a goal, 
they either score a second one immediately after or the opposing team scores one within the next five minutes as well. There needs to be some kind of psychological study that's done about maybe the complacency of these teams uh, after they score a goal. But yeah, um, Mo Salah was, you know, biting his nails, checking his phone, informing his teammates that the other game had actually finished 2-2. Um, it was one of the craziest nights I can remember at an African Cup of Nations. Just all-out action, drama, so many, um, you know, as it stands, this is the scenario, and then a, a goal is scored, and then as it stands, this is the scenario, and another one is scored as well. So uh, just, yeah, great entertainment value for those of you who aren't watching. All right, and Egypt going through. Ghana, who were 2-0 up, going into stoppage time, going out instead, and Chris Hooten uh, making his exit, one of many managers to do so after this group stage. Yeah, I mean, the main issue with Ghana, uh, I think it, it predates Chris Hutton. When you listen to Ghanaian supporters, they believe that it's a, this, it's a generation of players that really aren't stepping up to what it means to wear the shirt. And, you know, these are... These are narratives that supporters have sometimes, and we think, you know, we as analysts or maybe as former players, we think, you know, ah, yeah, what does that exactly mean? But when you see, for example, players, after the way they were eliminated, conceding two goals in the final five minutes, refusing to speak in the mix zone, clashing with, with other journalists, uh, you know, wh when they pass through the mix zone, the journalists are booing them, which is not very professional, and then they'll turn around and they'll say, oh, yeah, you're going to see, you're going to see when we go back to Ghana. Uh, just some of the comportment of some of these players, and it's not just Ghana, it's also uh, Algeria and Tunisia as well. I think that's been the most disillusioning thing for some of these supporters is that there's been a real lack of accountability from players and from coaches. They haven't stepped up to face the music. They haven't explained themselves to journalists or to uh, the wider footballing public. And that's been, I think, one of the more disappointing things. Okay. Ivory Coast making it through to the last 16. After firing their manager earlier in the day, Cameroon also making it after an extraordinary 3-2 victory over, over uh, the Gambia. Were you watching that one, Maher? Yeah, I was in the stadium for Cameroon versus the Gambia, and uh, it's kind of what I told you. The match was 1-1. The Gambia score, and they go up 2-1. And the celebration after they score 2-1 is... Uh, reminiscent of, you know, uh, African football in the 70s and 80s when the president wins a trophy and he wants to parade it around to all the corners of the stadium. They were doing laps around the athletic track celebrating because they thought they had won the match. And sure enough, exactly as I explained to you, uh, Cameroon equalized and then they go up and they win 3-2 in injury time. Um, the Gambia had one final chance to score. The guy tried to punch the ball in, in, into the net, mm. but, you know, in the age of VAR, I don't think that's really going to work. But uh, funnily enough, Cote d'Ivoire do, as you mentioned, qualify as one of the best third-place teams. Um, I watched that match in Trecheville yesterday, and Trecheville is one of the more working-class districts of Abidjan. It's sort of set up in a grid, you know, perpendicular streets and avenues. And um, as soon as Morocco beat Zambia, which ensured that Cote d'Ivoire would qualify through, you know, a backdoor uh, sort of way, non-stop celebrations, fireworks. And in West Africa and in Central Africa, they do this very specific celebration where you'll see droves of people 40 50 people just running together and singing and i tried to do the same you know i told my friend alex i said you know what i've seen this several times now i think i'm gonna go and and go for a run with them um we just had a shawarma so i wanted to run it off and i got to maybe a kilometer a kilometer and a half and i started getting those you know that sharp pang on on the side of my stomach 
And they kept going for four or five kilometers and just so much thankfulness for Morocco for beating Zambia. And now they really feel like there's a new lease on life for the tournament for them as they go up against Senegal and Yamoussoukro in the round of 16. Tough match. Okay, yeah, they'd lost their previous game 4-0 against Equatorial Guinea, which led to the manager heading out. The, the last 16 then, what are you most looking forward to, Maher? Where are you going to be uh, watching uh, I'm going to stay mostly in Abidjan. I'm looking forward to Nigeria versus Cameroon. That's one of the more historic um, you know, rivalries in African football, uh, two of the most successful sides. And whoever w comes out of that group is going to feel very confident that they can at least get to the semifinals because the other round of 16 that they're going to go up against, I believe, is uh, Angola versus Namibia, which are two of the sides that aren't going to be favored to, to go deep into this tournament. Uh, also looking forward to seeing if Cote d'Ivoire can have another lease on life in this tournament. You know, they sacked their coach after three games in this tournament. I think maybe presuming that they were eliminated, but they aren't. And now they have an interim coach, Emers Fai, who's just 40 years old, a former player. And, uh, and now they go up against Senegal. If they can somehow manage to eliminate the defending champions after some of the poor performances that they put in in the group stages, this tournament would take on a completely different uh, atmosphere. It would be, I think, so much excitement and... Uh, I'd be very, very excited for that. Okay, that's coming up on Monday. Also worth keeping an eye on Egypt, who are up against Democratic Republic of Congo on Sunday. And Morocco, too, who are on Tuesday up against South Africa, uh, without their boss, uh, Walid Regragri, who is suspended for four games. What did he do, Maher? We don't know exactly. We, we saw that after the match, he went over to the DR Congo defender, Chansel Mbemba, who's currently at Marseille. And he shook his hand, but he shook it very hard, Ooh. and he didn't want to let go. A joy buzzer. And he kept telling Mbamba, look at me, look at me, look at me in French. And Mbamba saying, let go of my hand, let go of my hand. And he refused to look at him in the eye, and Regragui was getting very incensed. And then there was just a widespread melee across the pitch that went into the tunnel. Wow. But we don't know what exactly he's being charged with. I don't know if it's inciting a melee or if it's, uh, I don't know. Because Mbamba, after the match, he said in the mix zone, I'd never thought that that word can come out of the coach's mouth, Ooh. which some people interpreted as racism. Uh, but leader Greg, he, out, he outright and flatly denied that. And I think, I think for me, it would be absolutely shocking if he ever uttered a racist word. It doesn't seem like it's his character at all. I could see him calling him a whole host of other names, like insulting him, but I would be very surprised if it was racism. So we don't know why exactly he's been charged with, but he is suspended for the round of 16 match and he should be back for the quarterfinals. Okay, yeah, two of those games of suspension have been suspended for a year excellent Meher, thank you so much for bringing us up to speed on all of that enjoy yourself there at the at the pig villa where it sounds like it's atmospheric uh, to the extreme yeah there's a it's a fifa conference now we're at a fifa meeting with media so uh they you know pulled out all the stops and i'm really looking forward to this lunch because i haven't been eating very well since i got here okay don't go on any runs after though that'd be my tip <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Not, not in any sense. <laughs> thank you, guys. Yeah. Uh, Maher, thank you so much. Speak soon. This just in from AFCON. Male yeah. sport reporting that um, Egypt player Imam Ashur will not be available for Egypt's last 16 clash with DR Congo because he's concussed after doing a backflip in training. No way. If that's true, then that will be added to the pantheon of Martin Palermo-esque, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. All right. He's okay. Yeah. Excellent. But also hope it's true. Here's Adrian. Adrian. Couple of revelations there. Obviously, a manager getting getting suspended for crushing somebody's hand potentially. And using a word, but um, we and, don't know and what. And the 4K. 
Yeah, but then the four or five k celebration mm. run. I mean, <laughs> it's more than you run. Give everyone a stitch, wouldn't it? That. Yeah. Well. That's what makes AFCON AFCON. And uh, yes, Saturday, the last 16 gets underway. Well worth tuning in for in and around your FA Cup fourth round experience. Brilliant. That's today's Tony Football Show. We're done. Many thanks, Charlie. You're heading off to see Ange. Good luck with that. Duncan, lovely to see you. Adrian, many, many thanks to you and to Charlie and Liam in the booth. And also to you, listener. Have a great weekend. We'll be back a little bit later on Monday with our fourth round uh, roundup. But, uh, you know, do hang around and join us for that. And uh, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.